Hello, Secret Squad. We're halfway through the week, so I'm back with a new episode of I've Got a Secret. This is another installment of my series, The Secret to Turning Your Dreams into a Reality. Natasha Case is the CEO and co-founder of Cool House Ice Cream, the premier female-owned ice cream brand, and I personally cannot get enough of their dairy-free options. Cool House has flavors such as milkshake and french fries, streetcar churro, and cereal dreams. So creative. Natasha started with one food truck and now has a fleet of trucks, brick and mortar sites, and a product line selling in over 5,000 supermarkets nationwide. You're going to find out why Forbes honored Natasha on their 30 under 30 list. Thank you so much for being here, Natasha. Thank you for having me and for the lovely introduction. Oh, well, well-deserved. I am so excited to be with you today and to hear all about this amazing career of yours. But I know that you have worked long and hard, and I'm just so impressed. And I love everything about your story and what a fun career you're having with ice cream. Yes, I've, I'm uh, very lucky to be doing this. It's a material that, um, you know, there's endless creativity and uh, it, you can always think outside the box. It's always um, about bringing joy, celebrating, bringing that kind of magical experience. So um, I'm, I'm really lucky to be in this space. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying myself. I just, I, I love it. I love it. And I know, Natasha, you didn't start in the culinary world, did you? No, not at all. Quite different. <laughs> Tell us about your original passion architecture. So yeah, my, my background is architecture and design, which is definitely not the normal way you become an ice cream lady. But <laughs> I think I always thought of architecture and design as a way to think outside the box. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, almost like as a language for talking about other ideas and, and architecture, if you really think about it, it's so broad and it's such a varied skill set. And so I really started to, I think, um, stretch those limits. Like in school, um, my big light bulb moment was, one of my professors criticized a scale model I had made saying it looked like a layer cake. And I thought, why is that bad? Layer cakes are yeah. delicious. So I baked the next iteration as a cake. And um, it just was so much more fun for me to make that cake scale model. And when I presented it to my colleagues, I could just see how much more they really lit up because food is, uh, it, it unites us, it brings us together. And I thought, I always wanna find a way to bring food into what I'm doing. And, oh, I um, you know, I started a lot of different ideas, kind of combining architecture and food and design and food. And I eventually got to the to the ice cream, um, you know, coming out of the recession, kind of elevating ice cream, making it uh, with better ingredients uh, in a really artisan way at a time when that wasn't such a standard um, way that people, you know, created food and naming a lot of the flavors after architects to just bring some levity to the situation because yeah. you know there were so many layoffs in, in that recession 10 years ago. Um, and um, I just wanted to bring more awareness to the field and think outside the box. And um, it took me, it, it got me a lot farther than I think I imagined when I was first making that ice cream. Oh, wow. You know what, I can already tell that we have so much in common. I think if we were, especially if we were in the same room together, but I can tell right now, we probably are going to go on to be probably very good friends because you've already said so many things I can relate to and that I could really understand. You have a real passion for having fun, don't you? I do. Yes. I believe that you actually do your best work and you work the hardest when you're having fun. So I love that. Kind of a, it's, it seems like a contradiction, but I think if you can have your, you know, everything, what you work on all day, every day, be more of a passion, be something that actually brings you fun and joy it's much easier to, you know, come back to it when, when the next day is here. You know what? I feel exactly the same way. And I always have. And I love that just now that when you mentioned just, you know, have fun naming your products. And also, I love a good challenge. Just like when you said one of your professors was really being critical when he said it looked like a layer cake. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What's wrong with that? That is exactly what something I would have thought to myself and probably said out loud to him. Like, well, what's wrong with that? Exactly. Something wrong with cake? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I have to say, just just like you said, food and a delicious, yummy food is probably one of the best ways to have fun and bring everyone together. 
It's very true. Yeah. It's so all day, you know, well, not all day, but every day at some point through the day. So it's, it's a part of our lives, you know, ongoing. Just That's exactly right. You know, I've told this before and I'll say it again that Philip and I've been married now 44 years and we've been together probably almost 48 years, believe it or not. But I can remember when we were dating, I knew, I thought my, uh, my mother was a phenomenal cook. She made everything from scratch. She just, she loved to bake. She loved to cook anything and everything. And our meals together were just so loving and so happy. And I can remember dating him and I said, what's your favorite pie? And he said, oh, I, I like chocolate cream pie. And I went, oh, great. Now, I couldn't bake. I couldn't, I didn't cook. I didn't really need to. I actually still lived at home with my parents when I started dating Philip. So I said, oh, well, did you know I'm a, I can really bake really well. So obviously I'm, I, I'm also was a liar, I guess you could say, because he said, really? I said, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to bake you your favorite pie. Because even back then I knew, okay, well, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> so I went home and asked my mother to bake one of her famous chocolate cream pies. And the whole time she was baking it, I was on the phone telling him everything she was doing, I was telling him I was doing it. <laughs> but back then, even then I knew the way to this man's heart is through his stomach. And I finished, she finished that pie and I took it over to him. Of course, I quickly told him I didn't make it. He actually said, I, I already knew you didn't make this pie. <laughs> so let me ask you, when did you start to take an interest in the food industry, even though you were studying architecture? Um, I think, I, I definitely think it's something when I look back, um, I always was just drawn to, um, I definitely was always drawn to ice cream. We were a kind of household where you were a bit of a zombie after dinner until you had your ice cream. You know, you finish mm -hmm. your, your food, you go to the freezer. And it wasn't even really good ice cream that I grew up with necessarily. It was just more of that ritual. And then I think I got more passionate about it um, in college. I went to Berkeley. Um, such a great kind of like microcosm of a lot of the food trends that we see more prominently today. We start in the Bay Area, you know, slow food and um, the, the kind of move towards sustainability, towards some of the kind of smaller scale agriculture, really big up there. So that definitely, um, you know, I kind of like lit it up for me. And then I studied a year in Italy. So no oh, surprise wow. that that cemented the passion for eating, but also um, they're, again, their approach, simple ingredients that just shine through simple preparation and um, just all the different kind of, uh, just there's the variety and, and you go to these different parts of the country and it's like a whole different language of food. So that definitely was, I think, the uh, the finishing, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake to keep using the, the cake. Um, there's a really cool, I think it's the Steve, uh, Steve Jobs um, Stanford graduation speech, I, I believe. He talks like in his life about, he looks back at things that didn't seem that meaningful then. Um, for example, when he created Macintosh, the fonts have to be beautiful. And then he looked back and thought, why does this matter to me? Oh, this font class that I just, you know, kind of thought was cool. I'd check out as a college dropout. Wow. So it's just like that, that was, that, it's a really great talk if you check it out because it shows how we don't know the, necessarily the moments in our lives that will end up being really influential for us later. Wow. That was a very pivotal moment in his life and he didn't even realize it then. I will look that talk up. That's very interesting. I love that. So did you know from the beginning that this was going to be a full-blown business, a career for the rest of your life, or did you think it would be a hobby, just something fun? Right. No, in the very, very beginning, I think more of the latter, like a passionate hobby, um, because I hadn't really put the business metrics into it. Um, but when I met my co-founder, who uh, was now my wife, so she's here in the house somewhere, um, oh. she... <laughs> She, um, she had more kind of the business background and she challenged me with those questions. What's the cost per unit of the ice cream sandwich that you're making? And, you know, I just hadn't thought about it that way. And um, she said, we, you know, we're going to go to Whole Foods. We're going to write down uh, what everything costs. Because I said, oh, I went to Whole Foods. I spent $80 on the last batch. She's like, no, that's, that's not going <laughs> to do anything for us. So we wrote it all down. We made this spreadsheet. I remember thinking, oh, this is so annoying. You know, like, why are we yeah. like here? But now, of course, yeah. I love to put the numbers yeah, on. Wait a minute, this is no fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. And, um, but I think also, again, a really pivotal moment, we said, let's also go check out the competition. Who's doing what in the freezer aisle? And, um, we, you know, when we, went, when we went down there, this is now, you know, 12, 13 years ago, 
we could just see there was no there were no brands prominent brands created by women not by millennials um you know freya is a woman of color definitely no brands from women of, co women of color no lgbtq founded brands we thought you know there's a real chance to be authentic to um, some of the, um, I think the needs our gen any generation has of having representation, you know, uh, from the, the brands that they buy, um, having that authentic connection. And that was a real like, okay, we've got to do this. And then we thought, you know, how do we launch this idea? And um, we knew we, we, we didn't really understand getting into grocery at that moment, couldn't afford a scoop shop, but we figured out that um, if we joined AAA Platinum, um, sorry, we figured out that if we uh, uh, bought a food truck, it could be very inexpensive and we could launch quickly. So uh, we went on Craigslist. We found a postal van for $2,500. Um, we did a search, quick search for a hipster ice cream truck. Nothing came up except for, you know, a truck that sold vinyl records. So we're like, okay, we got the truck. Um, turns out, you know, there's no engine. How are you going to get it around? And we had gotten into our first event ever, which was Coachella. And so we figured out that if we joined AAA Platinum, we got one free 200 mile tow. So oh we're in Coachella, we pretended it broke down, even though it never drove, they towed us to the desert and that's how we launched. That is brilliant. Now I hope the listeners just caught all of that because you bought a van without an engine and you had the brilliance to realize if you join AAA, it comes with one free tow and you were within the distance that it offered. So you were able to be towed to Coachella with your ice cream sandwiches. I absolutely love that story. So you load up and you get to Coachella. How did that go? We spent so little getting there. We made enough to break even plus some. And then we bought, uh, you know, a proper insurance policy that could tow us back. Because a lot of people say, well, how did you get back from the desert? Yeah. And, yeah. but more importantly, from a media standpoint, it really went viral um, from that moment. Um, both within media outlets, like, you know, the whole ride home from Coachella, I was getting calls from Dwell, LA Times, Eater. Oh. Um, it was just blowing up. And then on social media, luckily we had made a Twitter page thinking, well, maybe this will become a thing. Maybe this won't, but we should have you know, twitter.com forward slash cool house. And by the time we got home, we had, I think about eight or 9,000 Twitter followers um, in that one day, which seemed like a huge deal at the time, you know, social media was smaller then. Um, uh -huh. And uh, we thought, you know, this is, everything is telling us that it's time to really do this. Okay. First of all, right now, tell the listeners, when was this? How long have you been in business? That was April, 2009. So it's been, <gasps> uh, yeah, going on my 12th year here. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. And I also want to go back and ask you to also talk more about the research you did, because I think that is so important. That's just so pivotal when you're starting a business that you went into the stores, into the freezer department, and you checked out the competition and you checked out the competition or what was not competition, what was not being offered at the time. Talk more about that, because I think that's so important. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's just it. It's like, you know, you need to do your homework. Don't overthink it. That can be showing up at some stores, you know, having tasting taste offs um, and, um, you know, reading online. Everything's so accessible now. I think do the right amount of research, you know, assess the risk, make sure you have a point of differentiation, but also don't go into analysis paralysis. You know, I think anyone could come up with a justification for with which to not act, you know, they right. could say, oh, well, there's, you know, this product doesn't exist. There's probably a reason. Maybe no one wants it. Well, maybe someone does want it, but no one's found that right way or that right moment. So it's like doing enough just to give yourself the information that's necessary that again, focus on differentiation. And then also yes. we would just do a lot of like, you know, dinner parties, invite friends over and have them taste the product and just hear what they think. Um, I'm a big fan of also, if you can, getting anonymous feedback. People won't always want to tell you to your face. So um, people can fill something out where they don't have to say their name. It allows them to be more honest. Kids True. are not afraid to be honest. So kids can be great guinea pigs as long as you're not making like, you know, a new alcohol or something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I think people are afraid to get the idea out there. They think someone's going to steal it. Well, it's all about execution. So get, uh -huh. your, get the prototype out there and really hear 
honest feedback from your, you know, warm kind of community uh, of what they think and, and take that for what it's worth. How did you plan to make your new business venture stand out and be unique? I think a big part was, you know, the, the creators, you know, like um, uh, us bringing a different perspective that just is, you know, we're making a product that we are our own target consumer for. Um, and I think that that was different, particularly what was going on in ice cream at the time. You know, if you look at those brands, they're owned by Unilever and Nestle. A lot of things are happening at the, some of the biggest boardrooms in the world. That's a very different, you know, level of um, how a product is created and brought to market. It's not to say that it's only, you know, that it's bad. It's just, it shouldn't all be that one way. You need diversity. We were doing things, you know, um, really handcrafted, um, more unique flavors. And I think one of the most interesting, most important points that still carries with our strategy is the novelties. If you're a Cool House fan and you love the dairy-free, I think our dairy-free sandwiches are some of our best products out there. Um, yes. So, um, and they're some of our most successful on the shelf too, because really it's uh, easier to come up with a, a crazy idea and put it in a pint to really develop an ice cream sandwich that is delicious, that's the right ratio, the right texture, that can travel around the country to grocery stores, you know, properly. Uh -huh. That's a whole other niche to dominate. And we've really shown with our ice cream sandwiches, now our mini sandwiches and soon to be cones that we have a very, you know, special um, differentiation point. Yes, I totally agree with that because I really, really love your dairy-free products because I, I'm lactose intolerant. So love, love your dairy-free products. I'm obsessed, actually obsessed with them. Uh, Tell, tell me and the listeners, how did you come up with the name Cool House? And just uh, right now, I want to tell the listeners uh, as if they don't know, but it's spelled C-O-O-L-H-A-U-S. So how did you come up with that name? So um, I love puns. So Cool House is a triple entendre. Um, mm -hmm. We first got the idea because we had different sandwiches named after architects like the Mies Vanilla Row, after Mies Van Der Rohe, the Frank Berry, after Frank mm -hmm. Gehry. The Kara Mia Lair after Mia Lair, um, who's a personal friend, a phenomenal uh, landscape architect. Um, <sighs> but, you know, we needed kind of a brand name. And one of our friends said, uh, well, what's Rem Koolhaas's sandwich? And we thought, Koolhaas, that sounds like an ice cream company. And let's, um, you know, if we kind of play with, with uh, the words and, and the way it sounds and make it also a homage to Bauhaus, um, which is one of my favorite design movements because it's all about how, not just how you design, but how you live. You know, uh, it's very, it's like a bigger philosophy than just architecture. And there were some amazing women in that movement as well. Um, so we had Rem Koolhaas, the Bauhaus movement kind of represented in the word. And then the sandwiches kind of look like little cold houses, you know, with like a small yes. slab, ice cream walls and roof. So that's a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> Oh, I just think that's so creative and so fun and chic and everything about it. I mean, I love it. And tell me again now, what made you think of food trucks? Uh, at the time, I think it was just made the most sense, lowest cost barrier to entry. And um, we could be really versatile. We could show up in all these spaces. And there's still a big part of our, I think, our brand kind of ethos and strategy. You know, we can be part of film sets. We can be part of weddings, which was our number one type of event before um, you know, the, the pandemic, um, uh -huh. you know, uh, ice cream socials, um, now brand activations, which we're still doing through all this. Um, it just has a kind of, uh, kind of just unique way of adapting to all these different environments. And I just love that about uh -huh. the trucks, you know, um, they're off the grid from an energy standpoint. We've used them for hurricane relief after hurricane Sandy in New York. They're like these emergency ice cream delivery vehicles. Um, and yeah, it was like the way to get the brand out there with the right timing and in a cost-efficient way. And then I think uh -huh. once it really had traction, then we started to explore, okay, let's let's look at the scoop shop model and let's look at grocery and see, um, you know, if it, the, the scale can, can kind of be brought to more of like a, a national and international level. So how did you get Coachella as your first gig? Honestly, we just like never stopped bothering them to let us sell there. <laughs> We tried everyone we knew who had a connection there. We emailed, we called. I think eventually they just got so tired of us nagging them that they said, okay. Well, Persistence pays off, doesn't it? I just love that. And then you get there without an engine in your truck. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, so how did you build from home recipes to the factory scale? 
So in order to do Coachella, we had to get out of making things at our home very early. So we kind of discovered just through like kind of cold searching and calling, you know, obviously we're not the first one to encounter this problem when we need to serve more than we can make out of our kitchen. So we really explored the co-packing model or co-manufacturing model, which is, you know, uh, uh, the, um, a huge majority of um, food business is um, through partnership manufacturers. Like a lot of times when you're a growing emerging brand, um, you know, you really own the innovation, the branding, the storytelling, the marketing, finance and ops, of course, but having a manufacturing partner allows you to scale without having to buy new equipment constantly. So um, we found partners uh, locally who more believed in us than really, we weren't bringing that much to the table from a business perspective, but I think someone had helped them early in their um, careers and they sort of were paying it forward. And I think just were intrigued by our story. You know, you asked earlier, did you see this as a business? Um, like I said, not until Freya got involved, but even then I think when I look back about how I pictured this would all go, um, I didn't have this sort of detailed kind of vision laid out the way I do now, but I think we both on an instinctual level saw we're onto something big. This could really be big. Like I, there was just this feeling like this is going to be, let, we're making the ice cream for our generation, oh, you um, know, and, um, and, and just kind of, you know, really bringing all that to the table, getting them excited. I think that much more than anything is what made them uh, willing to do this for us. <laughs> when you just said that, uh, I just, I'm just curious because like when you just said that this, this could be really big. Do you still get chills, like body chills when you say things like that? Cause when you said it, I did like my whole body just got chills. I do. I honestly do. Um, because I just love doing this so much. And I really do believe that, you know, we can be the household brand of our generation and just, do it in a, such a different way. And I, I'm just so excited to be part of that. Oh, I just, I agree. See, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I hear it in your voice. And when you said that, I was like, oh, it just gave me chills. So how, how did you choose which vendors to work with? Well, uh, whoever would take us at first, honestly. <laughs> yeah. One of yeah. them um, was this woman who, uh, she had a tiny bakery business. And then mm. um, Disneyland, she was in Anaheim. Disneyland needed a cookie order. And they became a big client and then the angels. And then now, or at the time she was making like a third of the cookies for McDonald's. So again, I think she just knew like you can start really small and all it takes is someone to believe in you. And we called her and she said, you know, why don't you come on down to my factory and I'm going to show you around and we'll talk about oh. your business. And, oh. um, we, you know, we met at like 8 PM, like this, cause it had to be like after work hours. We were both, Fran and I both had other jobs. And I remember she pulled up in like a really nice car, her husband kind of trailing her like the whole time, like, like, oh, like, what are, what are we doing here, you know? And um, I'll never forget when she turned the power on in her factory, it was just like this surge of like all the lights going on, and <gasps> you know, and we were just like this phenomenal, just sparkling, you know, oh. like cookie temple. And oh. she was just like, okay, we told her what we wanted to do and, you know, Coachella and all that. And she's like, had a, this little oven in the corner, like, okay, I think I could make this work. Like, you know, <gasps> tell me, you know, tell me you need it. And we eventually, you know, moved on, but like she allowed us to get started, you know, oh. and uh, we need to find, her name's Nancy, actually. We need to find her and thank her. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. So when we're off the air, I'm going to ask you her full name and we're going to find her because for, for some reason, I've done so many podcasts with such beautiful women and people. And it always happens that they say, oh, they talk about someone that helped them along the way. Oh, I want to find her. I want to find her. And I'm like, oh, we'll find her for you. And we have found some some really pivotal people in the stories that we've shared. And we'll find her for you. Because when you started talking about her, you said angels, Disneyland, and everything just got so happy. <laughs> I don't know, around here, it just seems so happy. And, and I don't know, I just love it. I love your whole story. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, 
it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. And so right now, I want to do something that we do in every podcast. We do two things in every podcast. The first thing is we have a drink of the day and we always create a drink that applies to, of course, this podcast. And we have this drink is called the Cool House Birthday Cake Shake. And sadly, we're not here to enjoy this together, but I created one. I'm going to show it to you. And I wish you were here so I could serve it to you. But we've named this in the honor of Cool House Ice Cream. So Cool House Birthday Cake Shake. And to make this, it takes two Cool House Birthday Cake Ice Cream Sammies, two-thirds cup of milk, four ounces of vanilla vodka, sprinkles, and whipped cream for garnish. So you cut the ice cream sandwiches into quarters to make blending easier. You put the sandwich quarters, milk, and vodka into a blender. Put everything together until you get a good milkshake consistency. Pour into a glass of your choice. So I picked this one. And top with whipped cream and sprinkles. To enjoy this delicious treat with kids, of course, just leave out the vodka. And this one is in honor of you today, of course. And I want all of the listeners to know that they can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and they can get a photo. They can see this beautiful drink, a photo of it, and they can also get the recipe. What do you think? <laughs> I am so thrilled about this. It's awesome. Looks, Cheers. I mean, it's beautiful. I love it too. Here, so, I, have, I have matcha tea. I do not have nearly as exciting as what you have. Well, this is an honor of you. So all of you listeners go to, I've got a secret with robinmcgraw.com and you'll get to see the most yummiest drink and then leave out the vodka and you can make it for your children. Or have your, or leave it in and your kids will take a nap. No, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I would love to pr- share that on our uh, social as well. If you're, okay. guys, uh, yeah, send us anything yes. and we'll share it with our followers. That's such a, that's such a delicious uh, looking drink. It must be wonderful. Happy. We take photos of everything. So we'll be sending them to you because I just think it looks delicious. I can't wait to try it. So, okay. Food and beverage is such a difficult category to enter, especially frozen goods. Was there ever a moment where you felt you bit off more than you could chew. Well, you're definitely right about your statement. Um, it is very, very hard to, um, I think food and beverage can be very saturated. It can be very expensive to grow. Um, I think there are different kind of thresholds you hit where you feel like you've made it past an important inflection point. I would say in grocery, getting past 5 million, getting past 10 million. You see a lot of people drop out before five and drop out before 10. Um, I don't wish it on anybody, but it is, um, I think, I think you get to certain, you know, uh, cool house, uh, this year about 16 million, 17 million, um, in sales. So, uh, hopefully we're, we, we really hope we're at a point of no return. Of course, you know, obviously yeah. um, things do happen, but, um, we, we want to take this to hundred million, you know, um, but there's, you know, I would say I never think of it as, okay, is it more than I can chew? I, I, I think when you're a business owner, you do come to, in a certain way, see the challenges as opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, even look at the time period we're in now is, is challenging in a way that, that pretty much no one has experienced. Yes, pandemics have been around, but you know, what the point we are at, um, as, um, you know, in humanity with our whole, our, our digital experience, it's so different than when you look back at previous kind of pandemic moments and what kind of lives were led because of that. Um, there, this has been a, a huge year in terms of, you know, racial, social justice, um, what brands are standing for and why. Um, and then, you know, we had all these crazy, you know, natural disasters, um, so, however, you look at a lot of businesses right now and, you know, you find ways to still deliver the happy experience, the joy, the relief, um, the emergency needs, um, the words, the inspiration. Um, you know, when there's a will, there's a way and you could take one, what has been kind of, I think, one of the most just chaotic years um, and, and say, you know, maybe as businesses, we can do better, we can be better off. So um, I just think in general, like I never see, um, you know, kind of things, things come up, um, obstacles big and small, 
it's always like, it feels like, okay, this is here. How can we do better? How can we, you know, be more to more people um, and evolve? And from then it becomes really more of a positive thing too. And, I, and I'm not in any way to say that there's not incredibly crushing moments. I mean, we've been through like a recall, you know, but once again, we buttoned our whole operation system up after that. So it will never happen again. So um, you just have to make sure that those challenges are really more learning opportunities than like, oh, well, I quit, you know? Cause if, yes. if you could quit at any moment, then why are you even here really, you know? Very positive. I love that. That's wonderful. But I was going to ask you, when did you realize Cool House was a success? But it's, it's almost like you refused to ever accept that it was a failure unless you had to. And you, it's, I love your attitude. It's such a positive attitude. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to like, you know, say like fail fast. Like if something's not working, like we used to have a truck in Miami and we, uh, as a remote owner of that business, unfortunately, um, it, there was a lot of theft locally. Um, there was a lot of difficulty, I think just keeping things organized and, um, uh, we didn't have that, that presence there with the team, like we did in some of our other markets. And, um, you know, we had to know to pull the plug and that was tough, but, we ended up selling those trucks to our Dallas operation, which is still running and have been great partners. And um, Publix has been a really big par- uh, account for us down there. So I kind of feel like we sowed the seeds, seeds with that Miami business. So um, yeah, you're right. It's not like, okay, you, you can't be blind to the fact that there's moments where you have to like say, okay, that's not working. I need to mm-hmm. go to something else. But again, it's the more focus on what the something else is. Like, don't get completely stuck in whatever is, you know, bogging you down. I love that. What do you think has been the most rewarding part of starting your business? I think um, just like the joy that it brings people, in particular, a product like ours, that's the whole mission is, you know, um, uh, just brightening people's day, maybe when they're down or giving them the way to celebrate when they're, when they're up, you know, ice cream is, it's kind of recession proof in that way. It's sort of funny. Like, you know, things are falling apart. Ice cream feels like an affordable luxury or when you're thriving, you know, have a book, the ice cream truck, have the party, like celebrate some sort of whatever congratulatory moment. So um, I really do love that. And I think particularly there's been a lot of work we've been doing around, um, celebrating other women leaders. Um, we just had a campaign in October where uh, we, it was like a women-owned businesses could enter um, through this application and we would pick three and we would find a way to showcase them using our brand as a platform, which included buying their products or services. Um, I'm doing a mentorship hour with the, each woman founder. And then um, we are you know, showcase, showcasing them on our social media and we're um, connecting them also to an organization called Girl Power, which is like an online network of women, you know, entrepreneurs and women in business. Um, so uh, having the calls with those women and like, they're just so excited to be connected and we're so excited to do this with them. It's just, those are those kind of moments and, and like seeing their expressions, like, that's like why, why I do what I do is to have those uh, meaningful interactions. That is so beautiful. That is, I love hearing that. You know, at the end of every podcast, I always ask my guests to, to tell the listeners how they can contact you on social media. But I would love for you to do that right now after just telling us all of that beautiful information. Can you tell them right now how they can find you on social media so that they can maybe jot that down now. We'll do it again at the end of the podcast, but I love what you've just told us. So we're pretty much across all platforms at Cool House at C-O-O-L-H-A-U-S. So that would be um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then I'm at Natasha J. Case, C-A-S-E on Instagram. Love it. I love it. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to do this month. So I've been dying to go to this topic today. I don't know why I waited, but all of your flavors are just incredible. And I love that you, this was part of your mission to do flavors that are unique and fun and delicious that no one else thinks of, no one else has ever done. So how do you decide which flavors to add? I have flavor origin. Yes, it's one of my favorite topics too. I'm very involved in that. I run the innovation department. Um, they come from a lot of different ways. Uh, one can be Frey and I are at dinner and we 
uh, are tasting some sort of combination of flavors, maybe in a savory dish. And we talk about how that could be a good ice cream. And we've had flavors go a really long way just from that. Sometimes it's clients. Um, we did a really big campaign with Delta American Express. It was for the 20th anniversary of that Delta Amex credit card. And they wanted us to do um, a airline snack inspired set of ice cream sandwiches. And we would give it out from our truck in 13 different cities across the country for anyone who showed that they had the card. And so we did um, a like salted caramel, pretzel, peanut. So like kind of the salty snacks that you get, mm, like yes. a snacky potato chip cookie. And then we did a strawberry cheesecake, um, blue and white whoopie cookie to like mm. Delta colors. And the crust of the cheesecake was those Biscoff cookies that you get on board. And that one was way more popular. And we ended up turning that strawberry cheesecake concept into a pint that's now one of our biggest circulating pints around the country. So oh, sometimes yes. client partnerships. And then I would say the last way is, you know, we do now buy data, you know, which is what you do in, in consumer products, uh, uh, you know, and goods industry, uh, so consumer packaged goods is um, you buy kind of certain amounts of information, seeing what's selling in what region, what retailer, what flavors, and we look for white space. You know, is there a flavor that's already popular, but it hasn't been reinvented? Is there something that we're doing that no one else is? And it just gives us a little bit of key insight if we're going to take something all the way to shelf to uh, have it hopefully have better success. So what's the flavor that has the French fries in it? I love that one. I mean, we're so on the same page. Um, that was around kind of the concept of dipping your fry in your shake. Uh, yes. And, you know, could you encapsulate that just in an ice cream? So we found these like really kind of crispy shoestring French fry snacks. And then that, those went in salted Asian vanilla bean ice cream with malt balls. And it's just oh. addictive. And so we ended up taking that to grocery. Yeah. We couldn't oh. keep it in stock at the, at the shop. Oh, man. That is so delicious. That is so delicious. So, okay. So, we were all here in the office, all of us, and talking about the ice cream and all of our favorites and everything. And and hands down, that was one of the favorites here. There are so many. And so we all started talking about, you know, what would be a great flavor that you don't have. And <laughs> I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to tell her two flavors I've thought of from uh, basically my favorite snack growing up. So would you like to hear two flavors I'm going to offer up that you may want to consider? Please. Okay. What would you think about graham cracker and peanut butter? I love that combo. Oh, I was, I ate those every day when I was young. Graham crackers with peanut butter, creamy, creamy peanut butter. Yes. I think mm. off to a great start. Okay. Okay. So here's the other one. So we were really poor when I was growing up, but, and I told you my mother was a great cook. But my everyday after school snack was biscuits and honey. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds delicious. Wouldn't that, she'd just roll out. You know, it's just really basically flour and everything. But she'd roll them out. She would have melted butter, and she would take the brush, and she would put melted butter. And then she would put a little honey in the melted butter or whatever. And she'd put that on when she, before she baked them. But then she gave me... Uh, you know, the butter and honey on the side when they came out of the oven. And I would sit and probably eat at least six, almost a dozen sometimes, biscuits and honey. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good ice cream? I love that. And I think you could actually play with the butter element, brown butter. You know, oh. we want to bring that yes. flavor in. And Ooh, brown um, sugar sprinkled on yes. the biscuits with honey. Yes. And, and um, honey's great in ice cream. We've done like a honeycomb. That is addictive. I mean, it's just a yes. great, because honey, I, I am a big fan of honey and like raw and local honey and all the different, and it's like honey is sweet, but it's, it can be so complex because it's all about, you know, what are yes. the bees in that area? What are they pollinating? So it's like, you could see what other traces of things are going on in the honey. And yes. And, and then I love biscuits that still are doughy, kind of like the dough, but crispy on the top. Listen to me. I'm really selling it, aren't I? You are. <laughs> You could maybe do the biscuit as the ice cream sandwich cookie and then oh, like yes. butter honey ice cream in the middle. What about that? Yes. 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 Okay. You can have my idea. Well, thank you because they're very good ideas. <laughs> okay. So how do you learn what your customers want? Um, I mean, we're lucky that we have the trucks in the shop uh, because those are kind of, before we really make something at scale, a great way to learn and get feedback. 
there, we, uh, we have done like kind of like focus groups at Cool House. We invite like our hardcore fans to try things, to try things blind. There are some really interesting um, services now though, where you can, uh, it's all about kind of testing and testing rooms and they help you like amalgamate more easily who to get the oh, product yes. to try. And those are oh, user interviews. That's one that we're doing. Um, and, oh. you know, that testing is really important. I think you can't only rely on that because a consumer will could respond to something and tell you if they like it or not, but it's hard for them. They're not there to bring the ideas the way you are. I think if you asked a bunch of consumers, sorry to keep talking about, you know, Apple, but if you asked people before, you know, the iPhone, would you spend $1,100 on your phone? They'd be like, you're insane. Like, remember we yes. all had the little like Nokia flip phones. They were like yes. you know, $150. I don't, I don't even know what, but so sometimes it's not until you experience it that you can really say, yes, I want that. So I think you do have to be cautious to some degree with consumer research. However, it can be a really helpful, you know, part of the development or when you're just stuck on like one decision, like should it, you know, cost this or that, like something very specific, consumers can give really good specific insight that can actually really help you like, you know, okay, great. We're ready to launch now. We're ready to go. We feel confident. Yeah. Have there ever been any flavors that you, that you put out there that just didn't work? Oh yeah. Um, there are some famous ones. For example, we tried to make like a Waldorf salad ice cream. And oh. you know, God, that sounds pretty good though, with the raisins and the pecans and the apples. What didn't work about it? So the apples, the we did apples and walnuts actually. Candy. Walnuts. I mean, you know, you could have totally gone pecan. I like where you're going with that. But the problem is blue cheese. When you have an aged cheese in an ice cream base, Ooh. you you yeah. kind of start to take a bite and you, you just you want to gag. It's just not. Yeah, and yeah, so I can. I, was enough. Like I can see that. I, yeah, I, maybe I, the blue cheese. I forgot blue cheese was in a Waldorf salad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Younger cheeses are great. You know, cream cheese, ricotta, goat Ooh, yeah. be good. Mascarpone is one of my favorites. Any of those could work. But when you go into the more aged cheese, no, don't do that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we also tried to make, um, I was trying to go for like a Thai kind of like, like a spicy peanut butter. And I had like this kind of like pickled things in it. And it just, it looked disgusting. It, it, it was, it would have been a perfect like, pregnancy flavor. Like Peanut butter, ice cream, pickles. No. Yeah. One of our interns opened it and she literally like shrieked because she thought there was like, I don't know, some <laughs> bugs in it or something. So that one's fine. like, okay, scratch yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Give that to the people you don't like. No. <laughs> okay. But so what's your favorite flavor? <sighs> Robin, it's hard because it's like asking, you know, your favorite child in a way. Yeah. But, so no such thing. No such thing, right? The way I like to answer that is like, well, if I could have one right now, what would it be? And I think I would go for the dairy-free horchata ice cream sandwich. It is so good. Um, it's refreshing. Mm. And our dairy-free, I think you really can't tell the difference, you know, and, um, unless you've told someone this is dairy-free, I think very often they wouldn't even know. And that one in particular is just so creamy and also yeah. pretty widely available. Uh, basically every Whole Foods has it. So oh, um, is that wonderful? Hard crap. Yeah. Yeah. I love mint. Ooh. Oh, can't get enough of that. Okay. So tell us about Cool House, the ice cream book. Oh, our, I'm like our, a freak book. about books. I love books. That's awesome. Um, yeah. 2014, we published the ice cream cookbook. Um, it's great because it tells our story, talk, talks about the oh. architecture connection. And then it's, um, it's over hundred recipes. So it's mainly ice cream, but also some cookies. So you won't get that from most ice cream books. So right. it tells you how to scoop the sandwich, how to make an ice cream cake. Um, and it's it very approachable. We, we believe in approachable, you know, cooking and eating. Um, so a lot of fun to make. And it's just, a, it's a fun thing to have. Um, if you are a fan of books, two other books that we also sell at Cool House. One is my mom. My mom's a Disney animator, very talented. Oh. She just does uh, kids books as a passion project. And she did this one called Truman's LA Adventure. And it's um, about our old dog um, running out of the house and going to all these LA landmarks. And so oh. for young kids to learn about all of these great places to celebrate, you know, in LA, the tar pits, Watts Towers, oh. the downtown library, you know, all around LA. And of course, because, you know, she's my mom, I call it mom PR. Um, oh. she, the, the dog stops at two different cool house, you know, the truck uh, at the Disney concert hall and then the shop. 
So uh, we have to, you know, of course we sell that book and it's a really fun one that features Cool House if you have little kids. Oh, I'm yeah. getting that for my grandchildren. Yeah, no, oh, great, amazing. Yes, I'll help you with that. Um, oh. And then there's another one, I just brought it home. Um, it's another one, Girl, Girls Who Run the World. And it's this one's actually really designed for like teenage girls. It, it is um, illustrations of all these different women entrepreneurs and tells oh. their story. And the, the illustrations are beautiful. Um, it's a really cool designer, her name's Pal. And um, it's uh, just really special because I don't think that many people create books for that age group that are about entrepreneurship and certainly not awesome. girls. So that one's really cool. Also. Wow. That is great information. And all of those books are especially very, of course, relevant right now, but perfect for all of the young ladies and all of the children and all of the families doing quarantine right now. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. I love all of those books. For all of you listeners right now, go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and we'll have those books, all of those books listed on our website so you can know what they are, the titles again, and you can get them. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, all of those. So what is next for you in Cool House? Well, um, next year we're launching Cones. So we're really excited about that. Yay. Um, and definitely in dairy, uh, probably dairy free. We're, you know, still finding the home for those. Um, dairy will be at Whole Foods. Um, and uh, just continuing to like expand the great products that we have. We have more dairy free coming. We're doing a, a our best selling dairy pine is chocolate molten cake. So we're doing that mm. in dairy free. So that's exciting for you. I just tried to sample it yesterday. It's so good. Ooh, um, and we're working actually on a dairy and gluten free sandwich. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So excited for that. So a lot in product development and we're just going to be doing even more around telling our story next year, the, you know, female empowerment and for all, you know, kinds of diverse women, um, you know, what can we do to, you know, help others rise up as we're growing. Um, and you know, just, yeah, just a, a lot more of that coming. Um, we always do something big for Women's Month in March and then for Pride in, in June um, as an LGBTQ-founded company. So, yeah, lots to be excited for for this next year and, and, you know, the years to come. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm very happy for you. Very happy for Cool House. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. We've come now to a point in our podcast that uh, I said we do two things with every podcast, and this is the second one. It's a game we play. How do you feel about playing games? I'm excited. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, well, this game is called Brain Freeze. <laughs> so I'm going to pick a topic, and Natasha, you and I are going to go back and forth saying examples of the topic until one of us can't think of an answer. So in each turn, we'll each have five seconds to come up with something. Are you ready? I'm ready. So the first topic, food you eat cold. Watermelon. Um, yogurt. Very good. Cottage cheese. Applesauce. Butter. <laughs> Is that a food? Um, lettuce. Yes. Uh, tomatoes. Grapes. Cheese. Um, ice cream. <laughs> yeah, good one. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sandwich feet. Cereal. Yeah. Uh, celery. Overnight oats. <laughs> Ooh, They're good. Uh, ooh, uh, I want some right now. I can't think of any more. <laughs> I think we did pretty good on that one. Okay, here's the next one. You're starting this time. Okay. Comfort foods. Go. Fried chicken. Oh, yes. Pizza. Biscuits. Oh, biscuits. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so hungry now. Okay. Um, comfort food would be popcorn. Ramen. Oh, yeah. That sounds good, too. Hot dogs. Donuts. Oh, yes. That's good. Banana cream pie. Ice cream. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, gosh. Time's up, they said. Okay, the last one. I start this round. Last one. Sweet 
terms of endearment. Oh, sweet terms of endearment. I love you. Um, honey pie. Angel. <laughs> my love. Precious pumpkin pie. That's what I call my grandchildren. Oh, that's so sweet. I want to know more about the grandchildren. Oh, um, pumpkin pie is a comfort food. <laughs> yes, it's a double. You get extra credit for that one. Yeah. Um, uh, what else do you say? Like, um, lovey. Oh, I call him really, lovey. Really? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know. I would. I pie. Embarrassing nicknames now that my wife and I have. You know. What What was it? I. You know. Then I'm, I'm getting into like embarrassing nicknames that my wife and I have with each other that she probably wouldn't want me sharing. Okay. 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 What? Uh, uh, the nickname I call Philip is uh, Philip. <laughs> Perfect. And he calls me. He calls me mom, which I find so endearing. <laughs> People go, "Oh, he, you're not his mother." I'm like, "No, that's a sweet, sweet one." Okay, they say our time is up. Well, I thought that was a fun game. Really fun. Brain freeze, appropriately named. Few more games these days. I know. I love it. Okay. So, well, this has been so much fun, Natasha. Unfortunately, the end of today's episode. And Natasha, I had so much fun with you. You too. I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. You have just been so delightful and so interesting. You're brilliant. And again, Natasha, can you tell all of the listeners where they can find you on all of your social media sites? Yes. So at Cool House, that's at C-O-O-L-H-A-U-S. On any social media site, I'm at Natasha J. Case, and our website is cool.house, C-O-O-L dot H-A-U-S. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, that's wonderful. Secret Squad, make sure to visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for blogs, photos, and drink recipes, including today's adult milkshake. You deserve it. I'll see you all next week for another episode. I can't wait. Bye-bye.